Welcome to the Deep Dive, Emerald City Hockey's Seattle Kraken podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Deep Dive. RJ, things uh, look a little little different around here for me. I know there's somebody else in the studio today, but uh, yeah, it's exciting. Yeah, no, it's it's fun to finally be able to do one of these in person again. It's been like a million years it feels like uh since we've been able to do this together but uh, i'm really excited to be back up here i mean we went to morning skate earlier that was a lot of fun uh shout out for my uh adam larson <laughs> pin here i was given uh that was really awesome so yeah lots of lots of good stuff yeah uh so interesting podcast today uh yeah. may not be the the full normal length uh just given that we're here and we got the game a little bit later today mm -hmm. uh but we got some fun stuff to talk about winter classic jerseys of course with those being leaked revealed who knows <laughs> a few days ago uh the kraken actually winning again two game mm -hmm. win streaks setting you up quite nicely for this homestand uh maddie and wenberg scoring and uh you know the power play i guess you know that's a that's a topic <laughs> as, it, as, as well. it says in the notes here <laughs> power play i guess yeah no. you finally get to see my my really good notes that yeah. i always make for these podcasts. yes on on what is that row 10,660. Love it. Love love the ex, the never-ending Excel spreadsheet. Yeah, no, I'm excited to be up here, though. And, of course, podcast would not be complete without a shout-out to the sponsor, Queen Anne Beer Hall. You right get to there. do it. I get to finally do that. So, so rare. Um, but uh, I'm excited to get over there. I'm thinking maybe before Wednesday's game. I think that would be that would be the time. Don't have time for tonight, but I think maybe Wednesday would be good. Right. But definitely excited to get over there, try a pretzel. Um, and it uh, should be a lot better than the uh, the first flight I had yesterday, RJ, with all the 49ers fans. So, Oh, yeah. <laughs> Don't want any of that. No, you, you will not see Queen Anne Beer Hall packed with 49ers fans. Guarantee you. Thank God. All right. Um, so, yeah, the Winter Classic jerseys, RJ, because those came out the other night, apparently. Um, I, I guess, hold on. Do we know for a fact that they are the actual Winter Classic jerseys? Could this all be a ruse, RJ, when the Utah Jazz walked into their pregame wearing those jerseys and the next day at the AEW wrestling event with them, them and the, uh, the Vegas jerseys? Do the NHL has not said anything. The team has not said anything. Is this all a ruse? You know, I guess I guess it's possible. I I wouldn't put it past the league, but also I don't think they could orchestrate something like this this effectively. Um, yeah, no, I don't think it's a ruse. Those seem like the actual Winter Classic jerseys, as odd as that reveal was. And as you mentioned, we haven't heard anything from the teams, the league. Nope anybody you know in an official position here just saw those photos from the utah jazz and aew of all yep. places uh, i mean what what do you make of this reveal dylan i mean we'll get yeah we'll, and we'll get to the jerseys in a sec but the reveal is is very odd um it's i mean it was kind of exciting in the sense that like nobody knew what was happening and oh my gosh there's jerseys and they look good and all this kind of stuff like that was exciting but at the same time i can't help but think you know seeing kraken players wearing the jerseys would have been fun and nice for the reveal and maybe having it done you know in front of a home crowd say at a game tonight or the or on wednesday or something would have been a lot more fun and you could involve the fans and make it feel a little bit more personal 
to you know the city hosting the events maybe nhl i don't know i'm just spitballing here but um it was yeah i mean there was a little bit of fun to the chaos but then very quickly it turned into just what is what is happening and why is nobody saying anything right and, and the the wrestling thing the next day makes it that much more confusing too because mm -hmm. if it was just the utah jazz players wearing those jerseys out you'd probably think okay somebody with the jazz maybe missed an email that like okay you weren't supposed to reveal them yet and that's what happened but then you have you know on aew the kraken jersey and the golden knights yeah. jersey too which by the way i mean we can probably just get this out of the way right yeah. now it looks, looks terrible awful absolutely awful. awful i mean it's I, I don't know what they're going with like the shoulder coloring it looks like it's flipping the double bird that <laughs> we don't need to talk about it a whole lot it looks but just like, terrible it looks like a jersey from like you know your create a team and like nhl 2k10 because it's just like basic and it's like, you know, you'll have whatever stock images are in there and then just the alphabet. And so you just went and grabbed a V Letter and v, like yeah. that's just the like fancy V that they had. And now your jerseys are just basically white with a V on it. And that's all you get. That's very much what it feels like to me. Yeah, definitely. So Kraken jersey much better than, <laughs> than Vegas here. Um, and uh, yeah, so with this reveal, um, I, I don't really know what more to say about the reveal except that just... Look, I understand the general, the concept of it, potentially, mm -hmm. if you're going to try and get eyes on the sport from other yeah. you know, non-sport areas. Like, look, AEW is huge. Mm -hmm. Basketball, NBA is huge. But there's got to be some kind of coordinated strategy here yes. to like, at least promote it, too, as you pointed out um, to me earlier. Like, they didn't really talk about the jerseys mm -hmm. or what they were for. They just had the jazz players go out and wear them. And on the AEW stream, they were just doing their stream, but they were wearing the jerseys. Yeah, no, there's no mention of them being belonging to the Seattle Kraken or the Vegas Golden Knights. That's really odd. Definitely no mention of the Winter Classic, which is the big, you know, this is like the flagship event of the regular season for the NHL. For there not to be like that as the key marketing point of watch on, you know, TNT or NBC or whoever it is that's got the game, why that isn't like the first and foremost thing that you're mentioning and then you're mentioning it mid-roll and then you're mentioning it at the end on top of it. Like you, they should be hammering that home. If you're going to give this to the, you know, uh, to other fan bases to try to get them interested in hockey, interested in this big, exciting event, you don't then just have people wear it with no explanation of what they're wearing or what's going on. And you certainly then don't rob the fan bases of that moment either that just still feels weird to me i would be okay with this right if they if they had the utah jazz come out wearing the jerseys this is the reveal like i said it's a, it's a surprise reveal there's excitement around that it completely took over Kraken twitter but it, it's it's again it's weird to not have the team follow up with something about it of like you know hey check them out in person at the next home game or they're going to be on sale at this time or you know <laughs> maybe give us media members a heads up that this is happening so we can be ready on twitter to talk about it instead of sitting in the middle of a red robin that yeah. would maybe been nice <laughs> i know is that, is that where you were yes i was in a red robin <laughs> yeah i mean i was getting ready to do our armchair gm stream and, and this took us completely off guard i mean and a lot of media members that I know too. You know, yeah. I, I have friends in the media Everybody scene. I scrambling. Everybody was scrambling to get something out. It's something we were just not aware of. And we could have really helped boost this thing. Had we <laughs> known it was coming, we could have helped promote it. We could have helped get the word out there a little bit more. Um, so yeah, I'm not I'm not sure what's going on. And then also just yeah, buoys at the game. 
Like, the, obviously the team was involved somehow if Bowie was at this Utah Jazz game. And it's just, again, it's it's odd that there wasn't more made of that. There was no, like, w there's still seemingly no connection here, RJ, either, that really, like, why the Utah Jazz of all organizations? It just doesn't make sense. Right. I mean, they, they do have an owner who I guess is rumored to, to want to bring an NHL franchise to Salt Lake City. Mm -hmm. I guess there is that, but it's not a huge connection. And yeah, they just, the Bowie put out this short video of him getting slapped up by the Utah's jazz bear. Um, and that's, that's all that really was. So uh, yeah, I, I still don't know what exactly <laughs> was going on with that reveal. Uh, fair to say strangest collaboration between the NBA and the NHL at, since Gary Bettman. Yeah. You know what? I think so. <laughs> I think so. And yeah, I mean, about as much, you know, success on this one as Gary Bettman, I think as well. Oh, um, man. So but, as yes, for the jerseys yes. themselves, let's get <laughs> to the jerseys. Um, Dylan, well, I mean, I'll, I guess we'll just describe them a little bit for you. Probably if you're listening to this, have seen them. Yeah. Um, but they are clearly going for the Seattle Metropolitans look, you know, mm -hmm. from those early 1917, 19 Metropolitans jerseys. Uh, the S is a little bit different than the original Metropolitans S. It's the, you know, kind of Kraken logo yeah, shaped the, yeah. S with the Kraken letters going down it. Um, and, and of course the Kraken colors with the ice blue, yes. you know, the dark blue there, and then kind of this off white color. Um, you know, what do you think of the design? Do you, do you like the decision to, you know, emulate the Metropolitans like that? And do you think the execution is good? Yeah. Well, this is what I wanted all along, right? I mean, if you go back, I guess about a year now to when we did our podcast covering the news that Seattle would be hosting the winter classic, the number one thing on my list was make this Metropolitans inspired, get that history out there, educate, your fan base and also the rest of the NHL on the fact that, hey, Seattle is the first U.S. city to ever win a Stanley Cup. This Metropolitans team nearly had three in three years back in the day, if not for global pandemics and a world war and all this stuff going on. Um, but that was they were one of the earliest, you know, potential dynasties that North that professional hockey had, right? And we have this history here in Seattle. I finally get to say here in Seattle. Um, <laughs> and we have this history and I really wanted that to be a part of this event. And I thought that that would be a, a really you know, nice thing for the Kraken and for the NHL to really highlight. And I thought it would do a lot to kind of help establish the Seattle Kraken in the minds of a lot of other hockey fans as well. So that it's not just like the latest cash grab from the league, the way some people think about the Kraken. It's no, this is returning hockey to a place that has a very rich and deep hockey history, potentially longer than some of even their uh, cities and fan bases. So I'm really happy that they went with the Metropolitans inspired design. I like the the choice of colors that they went with, with kind of the off-white. It's, it's also like a little bit of a gray, but I think it's going to broadcast well. And I think that it's it's just, it looks nice. It adds to the vintage feel of the sweater without making it straight up look old, which I think is, is definitely nice. I love the red S with the Kraken in it. I think that looks fantastic. And then as for the colors, I know we talked about it on like a, on the last post game. You know, could they have done ice blue? I think they just really did the ice blue with the reverse retros. And from a broadcasting perspective, it's an outdoor game. There could be sunshine. There could be glare off the ice. You already have a team in white. I, I think they probably, you know, kind of went with the dark blue on the upper half just to help, you know, distinguish the two teams out there, make it a little easier to follow because the cameras are further away than normal. All the all the traditional outdoor stuff that the league always has to deal with. I feel like they really designed this jersey specifically for um, this event. And I really like that.
Yeah, I mean, we I think we all kind of wanted something that was based on the Seattle Metropolitans. We knew from when the Kraken came into existence that eventually a jersey like this was going to be yeah. released. And the rumors always were, right, they're going to save it for a special event. They're mm -hmm. saving it for something special. It won't be the reverse retro because they're saving it for something. Yeah. Well, when you get awarded a Winter Classic in your third season, I think that's a special enough event uh, to drop something like this for. And yeah, I think the jersey, it's a solid 8 out of 10. I, I, I do like the jersey. I like the design. I did bring up the idea of, you know, having maybe the ice blue on the shoulders. I, I do think, you know, that's a good point as much as I don't want to admit it about, you know, the broadcast and making sure it broadcasts well. I do think it'll broadcast better. But man, with the reverse retro, I do love how the ice blue looked being up, mm -hmm. up top by the shoulders, just the effect that that had. So I think it might look a little bit better, you know, out of context if that was the case. Um, that's just kind of my my one qualm with the jersey. Um, I think they executed well on the logo given, you know, what they had to yeah. work with. You know, you, you couldn't use uh, you know the original Seattle Metropolitan's logo. That's uh, copyrights held by somebody else. Um, so they kind of worked it into their own logo in a non-copyright infringing way. Yeah. Um, and you know, I think they did the best they can with that. Um, it'll be interesting to see what we have potentially in terms of like the numbers because the, the blank mm -hmm. jerseys that were worn on the reveal did not have any numbers or you know letters on the front. They didn't have any shoulder logos. I wonder if we'll see shoulder logos on it. Maybe not, because if you look at the Metropolitans, back then you didn't you have didn't shoulder have logos. That. Yeah, no. So I, I would be okay with the lack of shoulder logos, even though that's something, you know, like a, a red version of the anchor, I think would look really cool. Mm -hmm. um, but still, I think it might not be with the spirit of the Metropolitans kind of throwback look. Uh, the numbers, I feel like they they got to be red, right? I, I think so. I mean, I think that would look good if you, if you look at the front of the jersey, right? I mean, the red S really stands out on it. it it's very noticeable. It's easy to define and, and visualize what you're seeing. And as we know, again, I hate to always be the person bringing up like, you know, logistics for something <laughs> like a broadcast when it's very much something we just care about how it looks and all that kind of stuff. But when it comes to the logistics of a broadcast for outdoor games, it's really important that it, it's easy and clear to see for people sitting far further away than they normally would at a hockey event. And again, the cameras are going to be further back as well. It's, it's, a, it's not as a controlled environment from a production standpoint. It's harder to tell all those things. That's why we see the longer numbers on like stadium series jerseys, winter classic jerseys. They're, they're nice, big, and easy to see from far away. So I, I, I do think that the red could really work there because it's really going to stand apart from anything else on the ice and anything else that, that would be there. So I, I think red might be a safe bet to go ahead and call. I think so too. I just can't picture it with it being the ice blue that would get it lost in the ice blue yeah. stripes, the dark blue that would certainly get lost in, in the stripes mm -hmm. and the top of the jersey. I think it has to be red. Um, and yeah, you're go you are going to see things like the elongated numbers, maybe the nameplates mm -hmm. and numbers looking a little bit different, which I think just does kind of look weird on jerseys. But you know what? As you pointed out, you're going to be glad that it's there if you're at the game and trying to watch from really far away. We can both attest to the yes, fact that the sight lines at these games are usually not very good. Yeah, um, you're, you're probably not going to be able to see the rink super well, so you're going to be glad to have those big numbers. And same thing, of course, for the broadcast. Yeah. Now, you mentioned um, the anchor logo because that, that was the one thing I really saw people maybe being upset with was the idea that it didn't incorporate the anchor logo, logo as the center chest piece. I, maybe I'm maybe I'm just like going to start a firestorm here, RJ, but... I don't think the anchor logo works as a, a main crest on a jersey. Interesting. I okay. think it's too like long and skinny. It doesn't, it would get lost 
like kind of you know what i mean I, like I, it would look it would again it would look kind of like a like a build a team in a video game i feel like it would just kind of look not significant enough i'm i'm going to disagree with you there i think the anchor actually would work as a as a primary crest i think you'd have to outline it right mm -hmm. and make sure that it kind of pops yeah. Um, but I do think it would work well. I will say, though, for something like this, where you're trying to emulate the Metropolitans, I don't think it fits here because you want well, some yes. kind of S-based logo, Definitely. of course. It doesn't fit on these jerseys, but I do think it'll work well, especially I, I have to imagine at some point they're going to have like an, an ice blue third jersey. And I'd love to see the anchor on the front of that. Yeah, no, and we'll, we'll see for sure. Um, you, you mentioned maybe not having the crests on the shoulders. I think that might be a good call. We haven't seen on any of the jerseys revealed either a, a sponsor patch. Do you think we're going to see that for the Winter Classic? Or do you think the Winter Classic will stay immune from that for now? I think the Winter Classic will stay immune from that. Also because it's a league event. Yeah. I don't know how that applies with league events. I know like the Stanley Cup Finals is a league event. You still yes. have like the jersey sponsors and whatnot. Um, but I, I I don't know what the details of the of the Kraken's agreement with you know the Muckleshoot Indian tribe is. I don't know if they've bought out that ad space. But you'd think certainly with the jerseys that are in production, if you go to the Kraken store right now and you get a Kraken jersey, it's going to have that patch on it. Mm -hmm. um, so the fact that these don't, I know these are probably specially made. Certainly the NBA ones. You gotta yes. have the XXXL, you know, for these guys are you know, seven feet tall but um yeah i i don't think we'll see I, again i don't know so Did, i don't want to report were, anything were but. they on the winter classic jerseys last year for pittsburgh or boston that's, that's a good question that's we can look question. that up you look that up because that would be the the biggest tell really right because a lot of teams did have um you know, they had they had jersey sponsors last year. I know the Kraken didn't, but they a lot of teams did. Doesn't look like the Penguins one did have them. Um, yeah, yeah they, no. they did not. And then look on the on the shoulder there, they have a Winter Classic patch. So maybe the shoulder space will be saved for some sort of Winter Classic patch. That I, I could see, see something happening, like yeah. that. Yeah. So so there. If you're if you're not a fan of ads on jerseys, maybe this is your way to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. I mean, yeah, it it gives you an option there. We don't know when these will be available for purchase. Too. That would have been nice. Yes. Get, Here's when saying. you can buy these. Yes, Just it tell makes you. No sense. Do you like this jersey that you're seeing? Do, you know, are you saying shut up and take my money? Yes. Here's when you can do that. Here's yeah. when we'll take your money. I we don't know when they'll be available. I mean, we've you know we've heard. We heard November 22nd from some people that that's what they were told from their season ticket holder rep. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm, I'm really curious to see if on Wednesday sometime around the game before the game as part of the game, if they're going to unveil these like officially, cause that hasn't yeah. happened yet. Maybe it would happen tonight. Cause it's, it kind of went out as awkward and early as it did. I mean, I don't even know if it went out early. Right. Right? Like it does, we just know nothing about this, which is still so strange. Um, but um, I, I am wondering if the 22nd will still be like kind of the official reveal and then we'll have details on when everybody can buy them from there. It must be soon. I mean, we're closing yes. in on, on a month before the game and also with holiday shopping season too. Mm -hmm. Black Friday's coming up. I mean, very soon. You yes. certainly want to get it out before Thanksgiving, before Black Friday, <laughs> yeah. uh, so everyone can do their holiday shopping uh, and get some of these jerseys. So I imagine we'll hear some more information very, very soon. Maybe we'll have the good old-fashioned deep dive curse yes. right after we finish recording them. All that info tonight. will be there yeah. for you. Uh, but we'll be on the lookout for that. You know, follow, you know the drill. Follow us on social media. We'll have that for you as soon as it all comes out definitely um all right so that's the winter classic jerseys yes. anything more to add on that no, i think we covered it pretty good all right we can move on to some winning then i know what's, what's all this to, to be excited about but the kraken they they have 
gone on a little bit of a winning streak, RJ. And in a lot of ways, I, I don't know, is it officially the first time they've, they've been on a winning streak? It feels like it. Even if it isn't, it feels like it. Just the way the season has started off for them. Um, just to be able to string together a couple of really nice games, especially that game against Vancouver. I mean, that game was was really, really special to watch. Yeah, it's, it's, so it's not their first official one. That was the Tampa-Nashville games from the road trip at the end of October. But again, I mean, it feels like their first one. Yeah, and it'll be their first chance tonight to string together three wins in a row. No. Oh, man, that would be insane. Although Calgary was the team to, to undo it at home last time. Hopefully things have reversed for tonight. Um, but the, especially that Vancouver game, RJ, right? We talked about the about it during the postgame live for the Islanders game. You know, you, you kind of brought up like it, it very much felt like the Kraken were kind of surviving that game. And yes, it took them to an eight round shootout and it really shouldn't have. Right. And I'm, I'm with you on this. It shouldn't have. The Islanders are a bad team. They're a very, very bad team. Um, but I thought that it was important for the Kraken to kind of go through that game, give up leads in that game, all that kind of stuff, just to kind of exercise some of those demons. And then sure enough, the next game, RJ, they go up to Vancouver, hottest team in the league, hottest players in the league. Uh, on the stat sheet, and um, and uh, they 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 beat Vancouver at home. They give them their first home loss of the season, and the Kraken looked really good. They played the full 60 minutes. They got through all that stuff. They gave up a lead, but they were able to overcome that and battle back, and they were able to get some clutch goals and moments. Special teams was okay, and, um, <laughs> and I, I just think that that's really important, and I really do think that as ugly as the Islanders' win was, it kind of set the stage for the team to build some confidence, get back together on the same page, implement some of that stuff that Hackstall's been working with them on, and then come out in that Vancouver game and and win, a, a, have a really solid win for arguably the first time this year. Yeah, the Islanders game, as ugly as it was, was a real springboard for the group. And I, I think you even heard that Vince Dunn pointed that out this morning, mm -hmm. how important getting that Islanders win was, even as ugly as it was, yes. um, you know, to just kind of helping the group gain its confidence and using that to play forward into Vancouver. And, and that Vancouver win just really, really impressive effort. Maybe their best 60-minute effort of the season. I'd also throw in that game in Colorado also, you know, that, that when they yeah. got there. Those two, I think, are the banner efforts for this team all season. And you have to be able to continue that going forward. But, like, if you play that way, you can beat any team in the NHL. Mm -hmm. The Canucks played a good game, too. Yeah. They, they hung around. They played well. They looked really fast. Yes. And the Kraken were able to match their speed. And also one thing that's, I think, really important from the Canucks game is the Kraken stayed out of the box. Yeah. Dave Haxtell pointed out the importance of that after the game, saying that is something they've actually focused on and worked on. Because if you look at the stats, the Kraken, you know, they take, I think, among the most penalties in yeah. the league as far as putting other teams on the power play. And Haxtell did say, you know, there's always going to be one or two every game that you, there's nothing you can really do about. There's always going to be kind of like a, a, you know, a tough play where you're battling hard and it goes over yep. the line. There's always going to be maybe one or two calls that you don't like every game, <laughs> yeah. you know, just to because refs, you know, you, you try and call penalties for both sides yeah. every game. Um, but he said we've been giving other teams a lot of free penalties, a lot mm -hmm. of freebies, and we had to stop doing that. And against a Canucks power play that was really driving some, you said the hottest team yep. in the NHL, a lot of that was driven by the power play. And you just don't give them many opportunities. And I think that was a big part of the win.
Yeah, no, it, it really was, especially because, you know, the Kraken PK unit was struggling for a while there, especially with Belmar being out with, and then Tanev being out. I mean, that was really what was doing it. Um, but having having those two guys back, I felt like helped out the PK unit a lot. It, it was just, it was an all around just kind of great game for them. And But I'm with you. I mean, you can you can stay out of the box. That's always going to be good for you. The big thing for me was looking at the, the kind of the shot heat map afterwards on Money Puck and just what a great job the Kraken did from the perspective of holding Vancouver to mostly perimeter shots. They weren't letting them get in net front because that's something that was really, you know, killing the Kraken for the last couple of weeks was defense was just kind of standing to the side of their net. They were letting guys get right in on whether it was Joey or Gru in net. Both guys were just getting shellacked by these guys at point blank range and there was nothing they could really do about it, but it felt like the defense really kind of took that to heart. They really worked on that in that Vancouver game. And you look and Vancouver had a ton of shots from further out, whereas the Kraken were doing a great job of getting in Demko's face and getting shots from in close or finding open spaces in the slot. So guys like Matty Beniers, if you look at that goal, he's able to, you know, collect a puck there. He has time and space, pick his shot, you know, and, and score. And that's just not something that we've seen the Kraken do a lot of this year. And so just to see that it, it gives you that hope that, Hey, we can have, four goal games and we're going to, we're going to come out on top in a four goal game like that. So I'm, it, it's just been so encouraging this last week, especially after the two weeks that were beforehand. Um, this is exactly what I feel like all the Kraken fans needed to see. Yeah. The effort situation getting resolved where you given that full effort and um, beyond just getting to those areas where you, the areas you need to go to score, uh, they were able to finish on some chances like the Matty Beniers goal that you mm -hmm. mentioned where, you know, it's a great chance from the slot, but those are the kind of plays that they really weren't finishing mm -hmm. early this season. And I mean, Jamie Alexiak walking in, taking a slap shot also from the slot, but yeah, you know, like there's nobody in front of the net. Demko can yeah. see it all the way, but picking the right spot and, and actually converting on that shot is the kind of thing the Kraken weren't really doing a ton of earlier this season. No, but, you know, we, we mentioned Maddie, right? Uh, I think somebody else who needs to be mentioned for the week that was, was Alexander Wenberg. These are two guys that there was a lot of pressure from Kraken fans to kind of maybe, <laughs> you know, wake up, get going this year, especially with Maddie coming off the, the Calder Trophy that he was able to win last year and, and totally deserved. Um, but for the, those guys to get going, you know, Wenberg, if if not for a disallowed goal against Colorado, right, he would have had three goals in, in three games, yeah. three games in a row, he would have had goals. But he picks up a couple. Matty Beneers picks up a couple uh, this past week. He looks like he's getting going, you know, it, turning all of the, the possession uh, driving skill and all that stuff that he's had all year that we've been talking about. Like, look, he's going to break through. He has to. Like, it's just been bad luck. This is it. This is the breakthrough. He is he is scoring. He is getting assists on top of those couple goals he was able to pick up. Um, and, you know, I mean, you look at where he's at when it comes to this team. I mean, he's tied with Jared McCann in points. Um, yeah. I mean, make of that what you will. Maybe you think Jared McCann should be doing more, but he's he's uh, he's really rocketed up the the overall point standing. He's tied for fourth on the team in goals at this point. Okay, even well, with that's, this three, I, I, maybe that's not good problem. to point out here. Yeah. That is a problem, but still, and, and also to score an even strength goal in the yes. Vancouver game too, because you know a lot of it. His other two goals were on the power play. He was kind of power play reliant for that. And I mean, hey, it's good he's producing on the power play. Mm -hmm. But to score an even strength goal, I think, in a big moment of the game was huge. And you saw how fired up he was after that one. Still no five on five goals because that was four on four, I believe. Yes. <laughs> but still, you know, he's working towards that. And I think 
one of the great things you're seeing is that he's varying his shooting location. Yes. And this is something we talked about a couple <laughs> weeks ago on the podcast. And then again, a week ago on the podcast yeah. was that, look, Matty Beneers, he likes to take that wrist shot and kind of put it right under the glove, right over the pad. I've said it a few different mm -hmm. times, but he's actually targeting some different areas here. And if you look at two of the three goals that he scored uh, so far this season, they were high blocker side. Yeah like pretty much the opposite of where you would expect him to go. And if you look at the Vancouver game too, his goal that he scored, it looks almost like Demko is expecting that shot to go to Maddie's mm -hmm. usual location. He kind of starts leaning in that way. And all of a sudden when the shot goes over his shoulder, he just kind of lunges back the other way. Like he wasn't really expecting it. Mm -hmm. um, so you're seeing him kind of catch goalies off guard there. And for me, that's an indicator of future success as well. Yeah. Well, it's what we talked about, right? If, if when you are in your sophomore season, the book is on you at this point, especially when you win the Calder, right? Oh, yeah. The, 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 the advanced scout's going to be paying attention to you when they're looking at the crack and they're going to be looking at you. And, um, and, and goaltenders get that information. Teams get that information. They really pay attention to it. They know this stuff, right? You, how many times in a shootout do you see guys totally cheat, goaltenders totally cheat for certain shooters because they know this is where they're going? And it was really turning and, and looking like that for Maddie. And this was normal growing pain stuff. We talked about that too, year over year. If you want to be a great player in this league, you've got to learn how to grow and adapt and change your game as things develop. And then eventually at some point you start slowing down and you've got to do the same thing again if you want to have that staying power later into your career. Um, but it does seem like Maddie has, has kind of taken that message to heart. He's really working on this stuff. I mean, you still see stuff like him working with Belmar today on the face-offs and then really spending a lot of time there and, and communicating he is still young. He's still learning a lot of what he can do in this league. And so I'm happy to see the success now. But I know, you know, it's it's a process. He'll get there uh, <laughs> and, and all that. And it's just it's nice to see him, you know, kind of get rewarded for all that effort he's putting in. Yeah. And just emotionally, I'm sure it's huge for him, too, because it can be really frustrating yes. when you go through that sophomore slump and just having that production every now mm -hmm. and again for him. It's got to take a big weight off of him. And you can see he's not really gripping the stick too tight anymore. Nope. He's, he's looking a lot smoother. He's looking a lot faster, too. Yeah. Uh, was it the uh, it was the Islanders game at home where like after a couple shifts, I was just I pointed out. Yep. This is like the fastest Maddie's looked all season. Mm -hmm. He's just looked like he shot out of a cannon. And I felt like good things were coming for him. And of course, you know, no, no more than a minute later. later. Yeah, he scores on the power play. So you can see the confidence when you watch the games, and that's just a great sign. Definitely. And then you talk about speed, and, and the other guy who's who's starting to step up, uh, the other center, right, Wenberg, having Brandon Tanev on that second line, him, Wenberg, and um, Schwartz, that line has been really dominant these last couple of games, at least visually it has yeah. been. And so much of that is because of the speed Tanev brings. And I feel like it's really changed how Wenberg's been playing. And we're starting to see some success from Wenberg. He's shooting the puck more, you know, almost has three goals in three games. And I feel like a lot of that is because Tanev has been kind of inserted in that line, really makes it a north-south just go don't think about it just just you know go based on what you can do and i feel like that kind of fits wenberg's game a little bit better that kind of back and forth up and down the ice you know work on a two-on-one situation right just get net front confuse the defense all that kind of stuff he's a very smart player he's a very cerebral player he's not so much a skilled player um obviously he has a lot of great skills including yeah. his passing but he is very much a, a player who likes to go through that kind of stuff and i feel like by pay, by playing with that pace he's able to kind of get into the zone, so to speak, right? And he just looks like a different guy, all because the game is moving faster for him. 
Right. I mean, he thinks the game faster than a lot of people. I think he's able to mm -hmm. process things very quickly. And that's part of why he's so good defensively, too, because yes. plays just kind of rapidly develop, especially when you don't have the puck and the other team's in control of that stuff. And he's able to think through that and get in the right spaces. Now you're seeing that start to happen offensively. And I mean, Brandon Tanev, I, I wouldn't have thought when he came back in the lineup, that's, right? You put him in a top six role and that's a little that's, too that's much. I don't know if I would do that. But the energy that he comes out with, the space that he creates for his line mm -hmm. mates too. And then of course, Jaden Schwartz, who can just go to the net and and be that big net front guy, well, small net front guy, I guess, uh, but can battle there in those spaces. And Wenberg can just work on getting those pucks into those dangerous areas. Yeah, Th That line is just clicking so well. And I know earlier throughout the season, we were trying to figure out, okay, who are the right line mates for Alex Wenberg? How do we get him going? You know, How do you mm -hmm. get that jump? Turns out Brandon Tanev was the answer, I guess. I mean, look, he's we've talked about him and, and I've always thrown around the words like or, or we you've always heard energizer bunny, spark plug. I mean, I <laughs> guess it just it, it it holds up, I guess. Um, but yeah, that that line's playing on fire right now. Really happy to see that one. Really, all the lines for the first time, it feels like you know, this might be a setup that we're gonna just see for a little while, RJ. Yeah, and we had that conversation too about do they need the consistency mm -hmm. in the lines? Because there were just so much line shuffling so much line juggling and a lot of it was based on necessity that Haxtell had to yes. do with injuries and various players in and out of the lineup um and we were wondering okay when are we actually going to see some of those consistent that consistency over the forward lines i think now we're starting to get it this mm -hmm. is tonight will be the third game in a row where there's no changes to the forward lines and i think that's going to be huge for this group and you know we didn't really talk about the gourd line but man they're just doing their thing yeah. in a lot of ways they're the first line for this team they're starting yes. games they're mm -hmm. getting the toughest matchups yep. you saw that against vancouver and against new york they were always out there for the toughest matchups often getting the most minutes um and so they're just they're doing their thing they're not even worth talking about because they're just doing what they do um but it's all kind of coming together there and i think even on the fourth line you're seeing that a little bit too you know we got belmar you know kind of doing his defensive thing mm -hmm. playing well yamamoto chipping in when he can and on the power play too but getting those limited minutes and then you know ty Karche, you know bang bodies getting to work down low and they kind of have a little bit of everything on that fourth line yes. i think it works out okay um but yeah Hopefully that consistency can continue uh, with the lineup and you don't have to, you know, knock yeah. on wood here. No one gets hurt or anything. Yeah. Um, Cause I think Hackstall really likes this lineup too, even after, mm -hmm. um, cause he had it together after that loss against right. Edmonton. And that's a tough loss, right? You know, mm -hmm. you, you blow the game yeah. late, you lose in overtime, that kind of low point for the whole season, but he liked the effort enough that he kept the lines together. Mm -hmm. And I think it's paying off for him now. Definitely. And I think there is something to the returning chemistry for the Yanni Gord line that you talk about, right? We see this from time to time. You got to break up a line and then you put it back together to maybe re-spark <laughs> some magic. I don't know that they ever really got to the point where they needed that, but we're seeing that happen. And this does feel, you know, to, to your point about the fourth line, this feels like the fourth line that Hextall's always wanted. Right, where it's he can deploy it in slightly different ways, game to game, matchup by matchup, and they're just going to be role players, and they're going to have a specific job, and then they're going to go out and just fulfill that one specific job, and then that frees up the rest of the lineup to go out there and try to be aggressive, offensive, play with speed, do whatever else it is that he wants from the team, and that's something that you know, as great as the fourth line was last year, RJ, you couldn't always do with them. Right. And mm -hmm. it was it was they were going to play their own game. They were going to play with pace and they were going to you know basically just be depth scoring for you. But if you needed somebody to go out there and be a shutdown line or you needed somebody to be a line that was going to go out there and physically wear down an opposing team's defense the way like a Ty Cartier can or Belmar can, you didn't have that 
as the Kraken. And I did feel like through that Dallas series, that was something that they were missing. They were missing somebody who could go out there and just kind of do stuff like that and then open things up for the rest of the lineup. And it feels like that's been, that was something that they wanted to address this year. And it really does feel like Hackstall's kind of hit on that in this moment. Yeah. And I think that yeah, you're right. This is what he had planned kind of from the start of the season. I think it's just, nobody's been really healthy enough. Yeah. You know, you've, you've had to move guys up and down. Um, but it, it seems to be working pretty solidly. Um, and then, you know, that's, the forward lines, the defense really yep. uh, did a good job stabilizing last game. I'd like yeah. to see more than one game of it in a row, but like cautiously optimistic yep, definitely. about those guys. And then uh, shall we talk about the power play, yes. I guess? Yes. <laughs> I mean, I want to I wanted to talk about the power play because, you know, look, we talked about it for the last two seasons and the conversation has always been fairly one sided in that, you know, it wasn't good, and, and we were always very critical about it, the way everybody really was, right? And and the numbers really backed that up. This was a team that struggled on the power play a lot. Uh, but this year, that hasn't been the case. And and we it started off that way at the beginning of the year, but I really do feel like they've put a lot of effort, the coaching staff, into changing around the power play, whether it's changing up the lineups or kind of changing up the, some of the set plays and looks that they're trying to get from their guys. And I just wanted to kind of – bring that up just because it is something we spent so much time on focusing what wasn't working and all of that. And I felt like it kind of deserved now that it is working, should probably follow that up by talking about why it's working and, and what that they're, what they're doing and what Paul McFarland is doing um, with regards to the power play. And I think the big one, RJ, and you and I were talking about this earlier uh, and we've already talked about him was switching Matty Veneers over to that Jared McCann spot. Right. It kind of opens him up a little bit on the other side. You're not trying to have him score with a one timer, which he doesn't really have. Right. We've always talked about shot is not his strong suit, um, but you kind of free him up out of that. And really, as a whole, RJ, they're not looking for that one timer anymore. As great as it was with with uh, Tolvanen when he came in and joined the team last year. They were trying to set that up with Maddie, and it never really worked. They were trying to set it up with Yanni Gord all through season one and season two, and it never worked. And, and so I'm really happy that they're looking more so now to create opportunities of time and space and let a shooter shoot rather than just trying to rely on pass it back to the point, wait for the guy to get into a shooting position, and then send it over for a really obvious one-timer that the other team is going to get in the way. The goaltender's already set up there. And you don't you only have one guy who can really fire it at yeah. a level you would need to. Um, so I really like what they've been doing there. Yeah, it's less predictable. And mm -hmm. when you have that shot too, like whether it's Jared McCann coming in or yeah. Matty Beneers coming in, it's not a super high percentage shot by itself. I mean, you know, Jared McCann can do some magic things from yes. that spot. But overall, like, you know, it's not a super high percentage shot. What you need, though, is guys going to the front of the mm -hmm. net. You need players in position to go collect those pucks, generate those second chances and create that chaos. And I think you've had Jaden Schwartz just step up and really be that yep. guy uh, in front to go collect those pucks. Oliver Bjorkstrand is also really good at just mm -hmm. like those retrievals, too. You yeah. may not be the net front finisher as much, but just retrieving those pucks when the shot doesn't go in because it's not going to go in every time. Yeah. Um, but I do like that. Look, you do have Tolvanen on the other side, which is is great because you have it. It's yes, there. Yes. The one-timer's there. Um, but you don't need it, and it's not really a priority. And so when the opportunity does arise, if 
teams do start really gravitating over to the left side to stop yeah, Maddie or Jared, then it opens up and Tolvanen is as capable as anybody with that one timer. I mean, I remarked to you earlier today, his shot looked like five to 10% mm -hmm. faster this morning than it usually does. Like, I wouldn't be surprised to see him just blast one in tonight yeah. uh, on the power play. And especially if the Flames have been, you know, watching their tape, they see Maddie's been scoring from that area. Mm -hmm. Maybe they gravitate to the left a little bit and it opens up Tolvanen on the right. But you have those varied options. You have those different looks. And that's really what a power play is all about. It's just having mm -hmm. different options that you can go to so that you other team just can't game plan for you. There's right. too many different ways that an opponent could go. And, you know, that's what happens with the extra man. You use it, but you use it in different spots. Right. And then I feel like just this idea of kind of freeing up the power play, letting guys get a little bit more open, creative out there on the power play, has been helping Vince Dunn. Right, oh, yeah. like Vince Dunn for the first time looks really in control of things while running and quarterbacking the power play from the point. And I got to imagine that this has helped him out a lot as, I mean, you're, you've got the, the numbers <laughs> up right now and I'm looking at him, but even just from an eye test standpoint, he looks so much more confident and in control rather than just, I've got to hold on to this puck, skate a couple steps forward, suck in a defender, and then off it goes to the right side for a one-timer. He's really kind of picking and choosing his spots. He's getting aggressive. He'll take a shot and walk in if he's got the time and space to do so, kind of shrink the zone. That's a lot of great power plays do that. He's doing that now. And I and I really do think that he needed that, especially, right? We talked about at the beginning of the year, how could he repeat the performance from a point standpoint that he had last year? Well, he left a lot of room to improve on the power play. And this year we're seeing that as he has seven power play assists. He only had he led the team with 15 last year. He's already almost halfway there. We're still in November. Yeah, and he's already surpassed his uh, level of power play goals from last season. He had zero <laughs> last year. He's got one already this season. But yeah, he's basically halfway to his power play production from last season. And he's only played 19 games, which is, you know, 81 last yes. season. He is well ahead of that pace. And this one, when the, Ron Francis gave him that extension too, you're you're paying him like a top yep. producer. And we asked, how can he recreate the points? He can't recreate it five on five. Like his five on five numbers were pretty darn unsustainable. Yes. But as you mentioned, there's room to grow on the power play and he's absolutely had that growth. And it was something that I think is kind of necessary yeah. for the Kraken to take that next step forward. I like Justin Schultz, but he's not a true power play one quarterback. And, and no one is really expecting him to be that. But for the Kraken, there was that opening. And at least until Riker Evans comes up to the NHL yeah. level and Vince Dunn has stepped in there. And that's a good sign, not just for now, but like for the remaining three years of his deal mm -hmm. after this one. Oh, definitely. No. So I've been really excited to see that from Vince Dunn. But yeah, I just wanted to talk about the power play because it's it's been cooking rj this year you know the last <laughs> month or so and that's it's new this is new uncharted territory <laughs> for kraken fans I, I don't entirely know what to think of it other than just to enjoy it while it's while it's happening yeah it's territory we're certainly happy to to be in for sure and definitely want to give credit where credit is due also because look we've been pretty critical of the kraken mm -hmm. power play over yeah. the last two years and change uh so when we do see things that we like we want to point that out yep. uh you know and, and make sure that credit is given there so i guess before we close things out dylan you will be going to the calgary flames game yes. tonight uh i will not I'll be staying back here in the studio, running everything for post game. Um, but you haven't seen the Kraken really in person a ton this season, just nope. the one game in Arizona and feels like a long time from then to now, even though it really hasn't yeah. been, but like, what are some things that you want to see from the Kraken tonight? I, wow. Uh, well, 60 minute effort, right? I think that's mm -hmm. what everybody wants to see. <laughs> Get back to that being like a nightly occurrence 
from the team. Um, I mean, I just, I kind of want to see just the whole CPA experience because really last year I only got one game in right. all year and we were, we were there <laughs> together and, and it felt, it felt strange. I didn't like it. I'll say that. <laughs> I want to see more games. I want to be at climate pledge a lot more. Uh, and so was that just me experience. being in the building? Was that what it was? Yeah. It yeah. Felt so strange. I want to be away from RJ at a hockey game, everybody. Uh, but no, it's, it's, I, so I'm excited for that. I want to see the 60 minute effort. I'd love to see all the stuff that we talked about, right? Like I want to be able to see in person, Vince Dunn run that power play. I want to see Matty Beneers look good. I want to see, you know, Wenberg and Tanev breaking away on a two on one or a two on O. all the stuff that's been getting me excited at home. I want to be able to be in the building with, you know, 17,000 Kraken fans and have that full experience and, and really feel like, you know, I'm, I'm getting that season three experience. Maybe they could leave the blown lead aspect of the season three experience. <laughs> like I, if they're going to leave something, I'd take that. Um, that's for sure. Otherwise, I mean, you know, a big cat goal would be nice. He's right? been He's saving been it waiting. for you. He's, you've got three games, buddy. Okay. Got three <laughs> games for me in the building. Let's make it happen. Yeah, no, I wouldn't be surprised to see at least one goal, maybe even more than that from the big cat. I don't know. He, he seems to play well when you're in the building. Six is a good number. Six. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Six goals from the big cat over these next three games. However you want to distribute them, yeah. you know, is fine. You know, two, two, and two is okay if you want to throw a hat trick in there at some point, or six all in one game. Yeah, you know, however you want to do it, uh, it Lars. The you know the ball's in your court there. Uh, we're giving you options. I, yeah, I guess is what we're saying. Options are good. Uh, you know where it has a lot of options, RJ. As a, it's it's Queen Anne Beer Hall. I mean, oh, yeah. look at it. not only is like the menu have a lot of options, right? You got lots of fun snacks, appetizers, entrees, all that kind of stuff that you can choose from. Really, what they'd be known for as a beer hall is the options and, and selections you have from beer, and that's yeah. kind of a big deal for a lot of people. Uh, it's not something we talk about a lot, as we're not exactly. <laughs> alcohol drinkers yeah. so it's a little wasted on us but it is still something and i think that uh you know it does much like with the power play i give credit where credit's due if, if we don't <laughs> talk about it all the yeah. time and with the beer hall they've got a, a massive selection of of great stuff if if beer is your thing you can go and check them out so instead of talking about pretzels why don't we talk about a different carb there we go. I know, right? Yeah, no, good idea, Dylan. And I mean, as you were talking about the atmosphere of just being in the building, mm -hmm. I was thinking about also just how fun it is to be at Queen Anne Beer Hall. If you're not yeah. in the building for these home games, get out to Queen Anne Beer Hall. If you are in the building for the home games, mm -hmm. go to the Beer Hall afterward. People love the after party at the Beer Hall. Yep. It's always a great time. Uh, so go check it out. And new location at Moss Bay Hall uh, opening December 13th. So that'll be open in time for a lot of the great December games, the Winter Classic, all the yep. stuff we talked about. Uh, so make sure to check that out as well. Definitely. And thanks everybody for joining us for this one. And we will see you all next time. Hey everybody, Dylan here. Um, so I am sitting here with RJ um, and um, uh, realized that, you know, all of the normal Patreon shout out assets that we use for the end of the podcast are at home on my desktop and not here on RJ's desktop where we can use them to build out the Patreon shout out. So we wanted to take this time to just really quick uh, shout out some of our new patrons uh, for this month before we just kind of reuse the one from last time. Uh, and um, so that's what we're going to do here. I wanted to shout out really quick um, Elizabeth and Alvi. Thank you so much for, for the support and, and thanks to everybody else uh, all of our other patrons. We really appreciate everybody. And yes, you, Jessica, as well. Hey, everyone. Before we go, we just wanted to give a quick shout out to all of our awesome patrons over at patreon.com slash emeraldcityhockey, especially our Terror of the Deep patrons. Absurdly Sane, Alex, 
Andrew, Anonymous, Beef, Ben, Brad, Brian, Burnt Creme, Kaylin, Chazzle Dazzle, Chris, Christian, Cody, Connor, Coop, DJ Singletone, Duthin, Eli, Elizabeth, Ethan, Evan, Gaby, Gary, Gregory, Harry Legionary, Babak, Jay, Jane, Joni, Joseph, Josh, Joshua, Justin, Katie, Keegan, Kepler, Kitty B. Kraken, Leanne, Light, Lonnie, Maeve, Mark, Max, Maya, Michelle, Nick, Noah, Nunya, Paige, Paul, Rayanne, Rebecca, Ryan, Sarah, Scott, Sia Kraken, Sean B, Sean O, Sergey, Sergeant Pickles, Shannon, Shoeshine, Skeletal Tendency, Steve, Steven, Striatic, Tasty Kobold, Ty, Wendy, where are the Slovakians at? Strife and Zame. Thank you so much for making all this possible. We really appreciate your support.